Hola a todos y bienvenidos a otro episodio de Dosis de Darling. Welcome everybody to another episode of Doses of Darling. Si están escuchando o viendo por primera vez, bienvenidos. If you are listening or watching for the first time, welcome. Mi nombre es Darling Membreño y soy una consejera licenciada profesional asociada en Austin, Texas, y este es mi podcast de salud mental. My name is Darling Membreño, and I'm a licensed professional counselor associate in Austin, Texas, and this is my mental health podcast. This week's episode is yet another special episode because we have our first male guest on the podcast. Esta, este... El episodio de esta semana es otro episodio especial porque tenemos nuestro primer invitado masculino en el podcast. He talks men and mental health and opens up about his own mental health journey. Nos habla sobre los hombres y la salud mental y pues nos cuenta sobre lo que ha sido su trayecto en su salud mental. Things get totally real and transparent. Las cosas se ponen reales y muy transparentes. And he gives us a glimpse into the process of healing the machismo and cultural trauma that was ingrained in him as a Latino male. Nos da un vistazo a lo que es el proceso de sanar el machismo y el trauma cultural que, es, que le engreyeron como un hombre latino. And the finally being able to communicate his needs as well as continuing to heal and help other men heal as life presents him and the men around him with hardships. Y también nos cuenta sobre finalmente el poder comunicar sus necesidades y pues continuar esa sanación mental, ayudar a otros hombres a lograr esa sanación mental conforme la vida les presenta con adversidades. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Espero que disfruten de este episodio. All right, y'all. My guest on today's podcast is Juan Carlos de la Rosa. Juan Carlos, you have the Mazapan la last name. <laughs> I love Mazapan. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Just, a, just as the last couple of guests, I came across Carlos on Instagram, and the username caught my attention on his Instagram page. Um, I think he was doing like a live with somebody that I already followed. And so that that username, that handle just grabbed me, the modern macho. Um, it intrigued me because the word macho triggered me just a little bit. Mm. So it made me curious to see how a macho could be modern. And so then I went and of course stalked his page and was like, okay, this is some awesome stuff. And um, I reached out because I liked the content so much and felt like it would be beneficial to bring him on since this is a mental health podcast. Um, talk men's mental health, specifically Latino men's mental health. Carlos has um, Instagram lives and other mental health chats with other professionals, life coaches, and people in general who support his mission of helping men pursue a healthier lifestyle and pursue the ideal version of themselves, ideally. Carlos has his own podcast, also called The Modern Macho, in which he and his friend Santiago broach topics like healthy coping mechanisms and emotional intelligence and other critical topics that um, talk about traditional male experiences. He talks about his perception of these experiences and like topics, these how these things have developed in their lives and how they continue to deal with them as they get older. So welcome, Carlos. Thanks so much for joining me to record this very, very special first time male interviewee episode. I'd like to start off with you telling us a little bit of a background of yourself, um, about yourself. So can you tell us like where you grew up? What was your childhood like in uh, growing up in a Latino family? And we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, first and foremost, I I appreciate you having me. Um, it means it means the world. I, I I'm honored, especially as the first male now on your on your podcast. Thank you again. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to have this conversation. I think it's very important. Um, 
appreciate all those flowers that you threw in there too. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so my name is Juan Carlos de la Rosa. I am a 30 year old single father uh, from the IE. Um, I am a full-time uh, IBW 477 electrician. I've been doing that since, man, so I was about 20. So for the last 10 years, uh, I've been an electrical estimator now for the last year and a half. Um, and um, yeah, me and my best friend really just decided to start this platform to start having the conversations that I think are just so important to really break down um, these stigmas be behind mental health, um, especially amongst men, you know, coming from a construction background, it's, it's frowned upon to talk about these things, right? It's mm -hmm. weak to talk about these things. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I reached a, a point in my life where I started noticing that I could drink all day with the guys, you know, I could do the long hour shifts, I can get in the trenches, I wasn't afraid to get dirty, I wasn't afraid to work, I wasn't afraid to talk shit even, you know, and have a good time while we were doing it. And, and those are some of those times are really good times still, you know, there was a lot of brotherhood that was involved with that. Um, but within that, uh, I couldn't run to anyone to talk about what I was going through, right? And um, and I had a lot of questions. I think I, I just accepted things for what they were, and I never thought that I could challenge it. I never thought that there was another way. And so uh, when I finally went to therapy was when I started realizing, oh, crap, there's more of us. There's mm -hmm. more of us that are going through this that I feel alone, that, you know, as myself, wanted to take my own life away. You know, and I started looking into the statistics and I'm like, man, there's like almost 80% of men are suicides, right? The suicides are males. And I'm like, this, this doesn't make sense. If, if the tough guy thing, stop crying, feel your, don't feel anything. Don't be a, a bitch type of mindset. Um, if it was working, why, why are we taking our lives? And granted, there's a lot of layers to that. And it's also very intimidating. You know, like I said, as a tradesman, a lot of this stuff was very intimidating for me. And I think that there was a lot of cultural awareness that was missing with that. Mm, you know, because yeah. it's easy to, it's easy to say, and I, I knew I've always known, right? Like stop cheating, you know, stop sending out these random pictures out that you shouldn't be sending, stop drinking and driving, stop doing drugs, stop yelling at your child, right? Um, stop screaming, stop being so like disrespectful. Those voices were always in the back of my head. Um, however, I also didn't know how to change that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where to go for that. And I think I just accepted that between who I was and the, what the world was telling me I had to be. I, I just, it is what it is. And so I had to adapt to fit that box of what that man was. And so going to therapy really opened my eyes, darling, to like, mm -hmm. whoa, something's wrong here, you know? And um, so I basically created the space that I needed for myself. And through that, we've built this community now of men that are really just encouraging each other and challenging each other and holding each other accountable to try to be the best versions of themselves. Um, you know, we do, we have a book club. We have the podcast where we just tackle the conversations and it's like, let's just talk about it, right? Let's talk about how some of this stuff is weird and some of it's uncomfortable and some of it we know nothing about. And we throw out all these, you know, I started, I've been learning lately about words like patriarchy, right? And emotional intelligence. And it's like, what the fuck is that, right? Like these are such things that for, for me are very intimidating. And so um, it's really trying to normalize these things and, and create a place of like acceptance and love for men that are really just trying to get, put themselves in a better place. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, go, going back to, I guess the original question of I, I grew up, um, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of three, uh, first generation. Um, my parents are from Mexico City, and um, they've always been hustlers since I was a kid. You know, one of my things that I always had to do was the translating, right? And I, I did all the customer service for my dad, and I was the one that was making all the sales because my dad remodels homes. My mom was running a business, uh, a party supply store. And so it was like weekends where we wake up at five, go deliver jumpers. We're done by like noon. And then we hang out for a couple hours. Once it's like six o'clock, back to the grind, right? And my brother and sister were like barely born. We're five years apart. They're twins, you know. And so, you know, they got a little Disneyland two for one deal over there. And then they got to like, we got to navigate through all of this and trying to help them. And, you know, I'm very grateful that I got to see the grind for my parents. And I knew that they did the best that they could. Um, and I saw that at a very young age. You know, I, I grew up in Montclair. I bounced around to Fontana out in Southridge. Uh, then from there, I went to Moreno Valley. And then when I lived in Utah for a year too in high school, and then I ended up in the high desert and graduated mm -hmm. from Silverado High School, which coincidentally through our conversations, we found out we both went there. And so, uh, which is just a trip, right? This is one of the beauties for me of like social media where, you know, it has its pros and cons. And sometimes I have my, 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 I have my relationship with social media of just like, I don't like you, you know? And then I, sometimes I need you. Sometimes I don't type of thing. And, uh, 
moments like these really remind me of how even these platforms can be very, very um, helpful and very uh, powerful for us to be able to have these conversations. So, um, yeah, I found out at 20 years old that I was going to be a father, and that was uh, extremely scary for me. Um, it was extremely scary because I didn't know my mom, my, my son's mom for that long, um, and also because I didn't have the support. My mom got deported when I was in high school, um, wow. and that played, I think, a huge role now looking at it right at that time it was like i was 17 my mom gets deported and in my head i'm thinking well i had one more year and then i was going to be 18 like ya soy adulto right like y ya cumpliendo los 18 si mi mamá ya no está pues me va a afectar y pues si sí voy a estar triste pero ya soy un adulto o sea yo ya no necesito a mi mamá a los 18, a los 18 ya soy hombre okay. yeah you know quotes ya soy hombre and so um yeah that that made it very difficult you know my, my dad Bless his heart. There was a lot of, um, you know, es que los que tienen hijos no están jóvenes son pendejos, and just like looking back now, planting a lot of seeds into the negativity that was going on in my home. And there was a lot of love. There was a lot of banter. Um, but through that, you know, they made their mistakes and they did their best. And so that really affected me because I could have used the help of my dad. I could have, I would have loved to have gone to, to to the male figure in my life and been like, yo, I'm scared. I'm about to have a kid. I don't know how to do this and I'm going to handle it because you've always told me to hold myself accountable and be responsible. But like, it would be nice to have some of your wisdom along the way, you know? And, um, but I didn't feel safe enough to do that. And I, I never really questioned that until now becoming a father and realize like how important that is for not to have to tell my kid, you can tell me how you feel, but instead create a, a, an environment where he can just feel safe enough to express it. Right. Where I don't have to get, also get mad at him and be like, Por qué no me dijiste? and it's like, well, probably because he didn't feel safe to tell you, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah, so I, I got into the trade and that's where I met the people that loved me, the people that showed me it in the only ways that they knew. And, um, like I said, it was, it was drinking, it was dabbling with different kinds of drugs and things like that. And, um, you know, I think it really took a turn for me when I started seeing my son grow up and, I started seeing the parts of me and him, you know, the anxiety, the me being upset and wanting to spank him and seeing how he was just like almost on edge all the damn time. Mm -hmm. And that really was like, you know, in this pickle of, I don't like this. I don't know how to do things differently though, you know, and I don't know where to go. And, and because of the way that I was brought up, it's like the second that you admit a mistake, people are going to shit on you. Mm -hmm. People are going to shame you for it. And so it was just like, I was really darling trying to figure out how to be a better version of myself, but I wanted to bury who I was. Is that a truth for just men? Do you think? Because I feel like for me, I think that when somebody speaks the truth, that's empowering. Why did right. you feel like someone was going to shit on you? Was that like a male insecurity or what, where do you think that stemmed from? And that's such a great question um, because uh, yes, there's, there's, so there's, there's, I think there's a lot of layers to that, right? And and I think it was a mix of my personal upbringing and my experience of being shamed for the things that I was right because it's like in order to be held accountable, I had to be made felt like shit, yeah. right? Like that's part of that's part of being held accountable. Is like, hey, darling, you made a mistake. You should also feel like you have to work twice as hard to be worthy again. Yeah. It was like, no, there was never any reason why you should ever feel doubt of, you know, of worth. Right. So I think it was a mix of, of, of my upbringing and, yeah. and, and another good, good element that you bring up, which is as a man, the way that I had to navigate the world, Yeah. Um, which is, you know, you're a man, you're supposed to have it together. You're supposed to know what you're doing. And, and, and you're, you're right. You know, I think now the strength that it takes to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. the strength that it takes to be like, you know what? I feel sad. You know, I feel hurt that like that takes some serious guts. Right. But before to me, that was like, that makes you weak, bro. You don't know how to handle yourself. You don't know. And I contributed to it. That's the thing, too, is that I wasn't necessarily just a victim. Like I was fueling that same fire that I was told I was supposed to, mm -hmm. you know, and I was the guy I was the guy on the other end where a brother would come to me and say, like, hey, dude, I'm going through some stuff. And it's like, suck it up, dude. Take a shot. Like, Fuck it. Get over it. We could do this. So you touched upon going to therapy and I know that we decided before we started recording this episode that we would go in order with the questions, but I also want to go along with the conversation and, yeah, I'm in. um, 
I I imagine that the modern macho came after you went to therapy. Yeah, it's a great question. So yeah, so the modern macho really came out when um, I basically it was cycles. It was cycles of between parenting and relationships, where I started noticing that trend of like, I'm, I'm I like this person, I'm in a relationship, now it falls apart, cool, let's start drinking, and let's start filling voids. Mm. Right? Let's start, let's start hitting up you know, the ladies that we know that we've been hanging out with or that are that we can flirt with that we can start filling the gaps with and, and it was just going back to that cycle and back to that cycle and back to that cycle and going as far darling, I've shared this story before where I remember in one occasion, and being fully transparent and vulnerable here, I remember one occasion, like being intimate with a woman and having this battle in my head as I was being intimate with this person of like, I'm not really feeling this. Like at no fault to her and no fault to her, but just in my head, just thinking like, I'm just not really actually like in the mood right now. Mm-hmm. But the fucked up part is that instead of me being in a place where it was like, well, then honor yourself, set your boundaries, love yourself. Like, dude, that was, that's corny. Like, that's so cheesy, right? Instead, it was like, stop being, stop being a bitch and get into it. Like, get into it. Start being a man. Like, enjoy mm-hmm. this. You're supposed to be like an alpha male that is supposed to be all about this and you know, if, if you don't, then she's going to notice it too. And now she's going to take it. Like, there's all these scenarios that I was playing in my head that uh, was like, this just isn't right. I'm tired of these cycles. And so uh, I basically ended up, I don't remember even coming home. It was one of those where, like, I woke up in the morning and I was like, the cops are going to show up at the door. Like, mm. I don't even want to go outside and look at my vehicle. Like, I, I don't even know I got home. And um, I looked up uh, Justin Baldoni. He has a TED talk that talks about, you know, being man enough. And when you look at this guy, like for anyone that's listening that doesn't even know who this guy is, the dude is like a straight model. Like, like when I looked at him in my head, right, as, as a 21-year-old, you know, or younger, no, I was, I was older now, but as a 20, I was probably like 26, 27 when we started a lot of this, I'm looking at him like, this is the guy I want to become. Like once mm-hmm. I become more like him, like, things are going to fall into place. I'm going to be loved more and women are going to like me. Women are going to approach me, you know, things like that. And, uh, and this, his Ted talk is basically about him sharing that every role he's had to play as an actor has had to be like that hot guy, you mm-hmm. know, like that model type of guy. And, and he's basically like, that's not even me. Like, I'm tired of doing that. And I resonated with what he was saying. Cause he's basically like, I'm, they're putting me in this box and I'm not being man enough. And I'm like, brother, you have a beard. I don't, you have muscles. (laughs) I don't, you don't feel man enough. How the hell am I ever going to feel man enough? Mm -hmm. And at that point, to be honest with you, I was like, I'd rather just take my own life. Mm -hmm. What's, what's the point of this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's when I, that's when I gave therapy a shot. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a woman that, you know, I told me you should go to therapy. And even that there was a lot of privilege behind me telling her, like, why should I go to therapy when I have you? You know, I was mm-hmm. I was upset with her because I'm like, why are you pushing me away? Like, I'm trying to tell you how I feel, but it's like, it wasn't her responsibility to carry my weight. Mm-hmm. And I can say that now, but five years ago, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, eventually getting to that point where I hit those cycles where I'm like, you know what? I need to go to therapy. And this was the second go around now therapy where I made the choice. I made the call. I'm like on my own now. And I was just like, no, we need to do something. And mm-hmm. um. Yeah, and so then going back to the cultural awareness part, the very, very very first therapist that I met, she kind of opened up a little bit about, okay, well, you know, how do you feel from one to 10? Mm-hmm. And I, dar- darling, I was just like, this shit is just way too corny. Like, I cannot, I can't do this. Like, no, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so I never called her back, mm-hmm. you know, and then. Um, so you just went to like one session and yeah, I was like, just like, no, nah, it's just not going to work. Like, nope, yeah. she don't get it. Right. And so then yeah. I went again, I went again uh, because I think I was also understanding like, okay, it's very valid, but at the same time, like it's going to be up to you, you know, and I, I, I try to tell guys now it's very much like going shopping for clothing, right? Like when you go into the store, you don't just pick the first shirt. Like you hunt around of what you like and what makes you feel good. Right. And you try it. And if you don't like it, what do you do? You just you put it back and you keep trying. But why? Because you genuinely want to try to find a good shirt. And so I think I told myself, like, okay, if you stop here, that's okay. 
But you just need to be honest with yourself, Carlos. You're not really looking to get better with a therapist. And maybe that's where we start, just admitting to ourselves that, hey, no, this is, this is we're just not really trying. And so I tried again. And then uh, there's, mind you, and this is, because I think this is important too, is the first woman was white, second woman was also white. And so I mentioned to her, like, I'm starting to notice that there's a lot of banter within the family, which is cool because, I, I, again, I have thick skin, but I'm kind of over it. Like, I kind of want to be able to have a real conversation with my family and talk to them about some serious stuff. I don't just want to talk shit all the time. And I was like, and, I, and I'm noticing that even though they tell me they're there for me, the fact that all we do is, like, pick on each other, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that it's not allowing me to feel comfortable enough. And she was like, well, well like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what, I don't, what do you mean, like, banter? And, like, my initial thought, and mind you, I was also very defensive, right? But I was just like, she don't fucking get it, dude. Like, she don't. And, and look, I'm not shitting on her because at no blame, like, that's not her fault. Her heart was in a great place. and She was doing everything that she could. Um, but I stepped away again. My third experience was when I finally met my therapist who, when I told her that, and I was just like, dude, like, I want to talk to my dad about some stuff. But, like, everything is like, no, says Mandilon, or, like, whatever, right? Like, you hear stuff like this within the family. And she she laughed and like like nodded and just put her head down. And mm-hmm. what's weird, darling, is as soon as she did that, I was like, she gets it. Mm-hmm. She gets it. I was like, she just sa-, like in my head, I'm like, she just saved me like two months of therapy, mm-hmm. right? Of having to explain all this stuff to her. Um, mm-hmm. And so then that was like, whoa, this is a big part of the problem is like that culture awareness, which I can say that now. Didn't know this at the time, but there was another piece too that was. Again, trying to move forward without looking back. And I yeah. always told myself, like, the cheating, you know, the being disrespectful, the yelling, that's not really me. Like, I know who I am. I remember who I was when I was going and volunteering at the churches when I was younger, when my mom would kind of like, that whole, there's a lot of trauma when it comes to religion. But I remember, but I remember as a group leader, I always loved being the leader with the kids. Like, I loved providing. And, and I always appreciated that, like, me and my friends always gave 100%. And we would get the kids to like get involved and to sing and to dance. And like, I've always appreciated being that like role model type of figure. And as I got older, it was like, that's not manly, bro. Like you got to leave that behind. Like either you want to be a real man that works with his tools and breaks his back. Or do you want to be a man that's all like, oh, I want to help the community. And I was like, yeah, fuck that. I don't want to do that because I want people to like me. I want people Mm -hmm. to love me. And so I always said, that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. And so, and I appreciated what you said at the beginning, which is, it was kind of triggering to hear the modern macho. And, you know, there was a lot of debate when we first started this because it was like, we don't, we're going to get canceled on the first day, bro. <laughs> um, and, and I'm glad and I appreciate that you shared what you saw because that was, that's essentially, you're literally making me, making me and my boy feel seen for what we're pushing for, which is like, we had to look in the mirror and realize like, you know what? No, this is us. Mm-hmm. And if I really want to become better, I need to start having these difficult conversations. Yeah. And while I make this very clear consistently that I am not a professional, you know, this like I'm not a therapist. It's creating the environment for more of us as men to know, hey, we are not alone. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm not the guy. Santi's not the guy either. And the guys in our group are not the professionals. But just know that, like, there are more of us that are going through this. And mm-hmm. within that, having that community of, like, cool, let's seek the next step. Let's realize that, like, a therapist isn't it's so dehumanizing to look at a therapist and think oh they're like they're up here and we're down here right and it's like dude therapists are just people just like us you know and e- and even that like where where did that come from and i was learning a lot about parenting kids and it's like well my parents were always perfect we created this hierarchy of like well you're the parent you're up above so now and and you know there's some we could talk about this for hours but like there's so many layers to just police officers teachers like they they are they're on another level Right. And then our parents, my parents never apologized. They never said sorry. So they were perfect. So to think like, I got to go talk to a therapist. Like I got to be, I can't go to a therapist until I'm fucking crazy. Or until I'm like forced to, because I'm about to kill myself. Yeah. And the reality is it's, it's just like the gym. Like no matter where you're at in your journey, people will use the gym at different places. But one thing that they all have in common is it benefits every single one of them. Whether you're going in there, just to just to get on the treadmill and walk for five minutes and like escape mentally or whether you're going in there because you have a clear plan of your goals and like the pump you're trying to get and the muscles you're trying to build, wherever it is, 
there's never a bad time to go to the gym. This is the mm -hmm. same thing. Yeah. You've shared a lot and I want to thank you so much for being super vulnerable and open. Um, I think a lot of what you shared is really relatable to so many of the people who listen to my podcast. Um, I mean, just the dudes that have been in my life, you know, I, I was married to a Latino and I've dated a few other Latinos who struggled with similar things that you're talking about right now. And um, just the, I think the fact that you even made it to therapy is like a miracle that you pushed yourself through. And I, I know that this is not one of the questions on there, but like, what was it that made you not want to give up? Because you're, you're very young. And even though you're first gen and you have all of this, like machista background in you, it took you less time than it has taken other men maybe, or than it will ever take other men to realize, no, I have to push through. Um, and you said that you were at a really low point where you kind of didn't, you wanted to take your life. Was it that, that pushed you to continue looking for that right fit therapist? Cause I've known other guys that are just like, screw this. I'm just going to suck it up. And obviously right. they continue on to like worse patterns. Right. You know, and that's a great question. You know, I, I think what, what really pushed it that second time around was my son. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was my son and that was um <clears throat> you know there was there was an incident where i picked up my son from school or actually i got a call from school that my son had punched a kid in the stomach and he was probably like in kinder um i mean he was really young man and i i just remember he i get a call and it was it's, it's embarrassing right like it's embarrassing to have to get a call and be like hey your kid did this and and in that moment I should say it wasn't embarrassing. I felt embarrassed, right? And I felt really embarrassed. And so how did I handle that? I was like, I was pissed. And so I, I talked to his mom who I was not with anymore. Um, and I was just like, hey, um, I, I, gotta, I gotta go pick him up. So I got off work and, and, and before I get into that, I realized I skipped the whole part where my son's mom and I, we stayed together for about a year. Um, and then we decided to split and wanted to co-parent. And that was something that we have a great relationship now. I have a great relationship with her, with her husband, um, with their kids. You know, my son has, has step siblings who I have a great relationship with. And because it's about the kids, right? And we've seen the value in like really prioritizing what we can for them. And I had to go as far as maybe setting boundaries with my family. It took a while for my family to understand that we were going to do things differently than the way I was brought up, you know? And I think more so my dad struggled with that than my mom. You know, we, we tend to like, my dad was just very like, oh, we don't want her around. And it's like, dad, I, that was like my girl just like six months ago. Like, why are we going to act like all of a sudden, like, I didn't understand how all of a sudden we just flipped the script like that. That wasn't, that wasn't healthy to me. Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, like we had a good relationship, but you know, we weren't together anymore. And so I remember calling my mom and I told her about what had happened. And I was like, I'm gonna go pick him up right now. And the first thing that I thought was like, I got to set him straight. You know, like I'm going to set him straight. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him. Like, I'm going to spank him and let him know, like, so that he understands if you do something like that, this is what happens at home. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so my mom, uh, which my mom was the, the, the enforcer, my mom was the one that laid down the law. And so she's like, no, mijo, like, no le vayas a pegar. Like, si quieres nomás dile que, pues, que, que no, y quítale un juguete o algo, pero no le pegues. And it's, I remember being so triggered in that moment because we hear this a lot, right? Where like, their parents one way and then their grandparents the total 180 and i just remember thinking like what the f like no like vamos a dar esos chingadazos no como debe de ser yeah <laughs> and uh so I, i was like struggling with navigating through that and um i think what really helped was the fact that i had to drive to the school because that gave mm. me time to think mm. so when i picked up my son he gets into the car and the first thing i asked him was like hey like you know um i got a call from your teacher today what happened you know what happened and um And I saw this, like the gulp, right? This, this face that just shifted on him and these hands on the knees. And he's kind of making this little worried face. And like, oh. without even realizing, I saw little Carlos. Oh. And I was just like, holy cow. I was like, what happened? And he was like, well, I was playing with one of the boys and, you know, we were just like tumbling. And then I, I accidentally punched him in the stomach. 
right? And it was very interesting. Now, I had gone to therapy like twice already, so I was early into it, but I had a little bit of tools. And one of the things I remember my therapist telling me that was so powerful was to remember that kids are brutally honest and we're their superheroes. So they're willing to tell us everything and anything. And sometimes the triggers, which are very valid, can stop us from taking a moment to think before we act. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and just remember that, like, I get such a privilege and such an honor to have trust with my kid where he'll tell me. And while it takes time to build that, I realized I was like, I could screw that up very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so had I not had that tool, darling, I probably would have handled it a little differently, a lot mm-hmm. differently. But I knew in that moment when he told me that I was like, oh, he's being honest with me. Like yeah. he's telling me the truth. And, and like whatever happens right now moving forward, just acknowledge that he's telling you what he did. And that doesn't mean that we just have to let everything happen. But our approach has to keep that in mind, right? And how nurturing we want to be moving forward. So, so I told him like, and then I thought of myself and I'm like, well, I make mistakes. I hurt people. And is it fair that he should feel like he's a crappy person because he hurt someone? No, but he could be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I was like, well, how do you feel about it? And he started crying and he was just like, I feel bad. Like, I didn't know. I was like, well, it, it turns out you hurt the kid. Like he expressed it and he, he's hurt. And my son was just like, I didn't mean to. Like, you know, it was an accident, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I know. I was like, well, let's go home and uh, let's write a letter and apologize. And mind you, darling, this whole, this whole time I'm just like, oh, this is so corny. Like, I'm telling you, everything was very, and quote, unquote, everything was very white to me. Mm-hmm. This is such a white people thing, right? Yeah. And so, and so, um, so we sat there for like over an hour and he literally wrote this one sentence in the shittiest handwriting, just saying, I'm sorry for hitting you. I love you or something like that. Right. I don't remember what the actual letter was, but we wrote the letter. Um, he went to bed and like, it was, it was such like a, a mental fuck for me that I, I remember putting him to bed and just like cracking a beer and just sitting on the couch. Like mm-hmm. I fucked up. Mm. I fucked up. I should have just spanked him. Like, why did I take all this stupid time into all this effort for all this? You could have just spanked him. He would have put two and two together and we would have been done. And it mm. probably would have never happened again. Like, what, what, what was the whole point of this? You know, and I was doubting myself as a dad. I thought it was so silly. Um, and in a weird way, it was like, I was feeling so insecure about the decision that I just made. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, not acknowledging that that was so powerful and I was breaking a cycle. Um, and then to top it all off, I forget about this. Like a week later, I end up asking him like, hey, you know, it's school. And I say, what happened with the boy that you know, you're still friends with? And he goes, oh, yeah, he actually sent me a letter. And I was like, no way. He's like, yeah. So he shows me this letter. And this kid basically was like, I forgive you and I love you too. And like, dude, I literally like, I think that was one of the first times where I allowed myself to really like embrace the cry mm-hmm. that I had been holding on for so long and was just like, yo, what the f- just happened like yeah no way you know and then processing it with my therapist who i've been very blessed to build this this like connection with now where she helps me so much to she guides me for me to get to know myself so much better mm-hmm. where it was like not only did i do something for myself i did something more importantly for my son i did something for my son's friend for my son's friend's parents for the other kids inside that classroom like so much impact that was created not by trying to change the world, but by simply trying to do something better for myself. Pero y también la relación con tu hijo. Like exactly. you, you broke that cycle with him. And instead of darle los chingadazos que pensabas que merecía, then you kept that trust because yeah. I um, imagine he's still very open y todavía te tiene confianza hasta hoy. You're absolutely right. Sí, sí. Y, y, y te digo, y no es que, no es que no me enoje. No es que no tenga momentos donde me desespere tampoco, pero me he dado cuenta que hay maneras diferentes en cual puedo presentarme con él y tener esas conversaciones. El simple hecho de que me acuerdo una, una de las veces que le dije que se metiera a bañar y era un berrinche. Y me acuerdo, darling, like, lo abracé y le dije, like, yo sé, yo sé que no quieres, yo sé que es difícil, papá. Y con la otra mano me acuerdo que yo, porque me, me arrodillé, ¿no? Y le di el abrazo y con la otra mano agarrando la toalla con un pinche coraje, o sea, ganas, ganas de agarrarlo y de decirle, like, cállate, you know what I mean, like, stop, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize, oh, dude, that's crazy, it makes me emotional thinking about it, like, 
I didn't realize how much trauma I had from what I had received when I was younger. Mm. I couldn't, I felt like I was never going to have the patience to have that with my kid. Yeah. You know, and, and it wasn't about, it was not about building a connection with my child. It was about being right. Mm. Everything was about being right. And it's like, te dije, te dije, te dije, que te dije, ya sabía, mm. ya sabías, te estoy diciendo. And then I'm like, okay, I'm right. But then, but now, now what? Like, now what? Like, okay, I won. I, like, I won, but did I really win? Because I don't have a connection with you. Ni con mi hijo, ni con mi pareja, ni con mis amigos, ni con mi familia, con nadie. Y aparte, yo ya tenía el sueño americano. Porque me gradué, saqué mi licencia. Entre mi papá y yo compramos una casa. I made six figures when I was like 23, 24. And so I'm like, I'm living the American dream. Why am I not happy? Mm. Why am I not surrounded by people? Why am I not? This, this isn't making sense. Y, y, y yo siento que por eso es que, por eso me apasiono tanto de la conversación, porque lo que más me doy cuenta es que somos tan chingones y tenemos un deseo tan grande de, de estar con nuestras familias que estamos haciendo demasiado sin tener tanta necesidad de hacerlo. Yeah. El simple hecho de yo querer comprarle tantos lujos a mi hijo. You no know, hubo, hubo una vez donde... Salí de trabajar, lo fui a recoger de la escuela, le dije, papi, vamos a la casa, o vamos a la Target, y te voy a comprar lo que tú quieras. Llegamos y le dije, lo que quieras. Compró un, un juguetito de plástico que lo vi, y no sé, like, oh my God, voy a pagar tanto por esta, but whatever, se lo compré, ¿no? Le compré su juguete, y esto fue al principio de también de empezar todo esto. Llegamos a la casa, se puso a jugar con su juguete, y le dije, ¿sabes qué, papi? Voy a trabajar, tengo que hacer unas cosas, voy a andar en la oficina. Ok. Mm. En eso, como a los 10 minutos, entra mi hijo y me dice, papi, ¿puedes jugar conmigo? Le dije, ¿sabes qué? Le dije, ahorita no puedo. Ahorita no puedo porque tengo que hacer unas cosas. Le digo, pero, ve y juega con tu juguete que te acabo de comprar. No me alegó, pero muy bien me acuerdo que agachó la cabeza y nomás me dijo, ok. Y me entró un coraje porque yo dije, oye, acabo de salir tarde de trabajar. Te acabo de comprar el juguete que tú, el, el que quisieras de la tienda. A mí no me importó lo que, lo que fuera a costar, te lo compré. Y todavía vienes y me pides más. Y luego me acordé de mi psicóloga y me acordé que dijo, ¿qué te están pidiendo y no lo que, qué es lo que tú les estás dando? Mm. Y en eso dije, ay, güey, él nunca me pidió ese pinche juguete. Mm -hmm. yeah. Y le dije, ¿sabes qué? Dame dos minutos. Deja, termino lo que estaba haciendo y ahorita voy. Y de ahí fue cuando empecé a aprender, oye, esos millones que tú crees que tú quieres ganar para poder darle a tu familia, al menos ahorita, no se necesitan. Le doy gracias a Dios que tengo un techo, mm. que tengo de perdiz un taquito para poder darle. De que me gusta gastar el dinero, me gusta gastármelo, no te lo miento. Y de que me gustan mis lujos también. Pero entiendo que hay mucho más valor en, en dedicarle a él el tiempo ahorita uh -huh. que en realidad lo que yo le quiero comprar. Uh -huh. Y esa es la mentalidad inmigrante, ¿no? Sí. Que claro. llegamos a ese país por ese sueño americano que estás mencionando y aunque hayamos la, logrado ese sueño amer americano, todavía estamos como que los padres, pues, ¿no? Yo recuerdo mis padres que también mi papá supuestamente nos daba todo lo que necesitábamos y en este caso, como para mí, era pues tienes un techo sobre tu cabeza, ¿qué más chingados quieres? Tienes comida en la mesa, ¿qué más chingados quieres? Pero él nunca estaba ahí para pasar tiempo conmigo. Estaba matándose en dos, tres trabajos a la vez. Y mi mamá pues era ama de casa, you know, she didn't work. Ella era la persona que estaba ahí con nosotros, pero um, por parte de mi papá nos faltó mucho. Pero él pensaba que porque proveía dinero, eso es lo único que era necesario. Entonces, estoy viendo este patrón también en otros hombres que han pasado por mi vida, donde dicen, pues, te estoy proveyendo dinero. And it's like, but that's not enough. O sea, yo necesito más. Necesito tu cariño. Necesito tu afecto. Necesito tu presencia. Y um, hasta llegué a conocer a una persona que me dijo, pues, 
tú solamente quieres por lo que te puedo proveer. And I'm like, your money? Porque eso viene y va. Sí, eso sí. si Dios viene o el universo viene y te lo quiere quitar, te lo va a arrebatar. Y con lo único con lo que te vas a quedar va a ser las personas a tu alrededor that you're not nurturing, que no estás ni siquiera este, dándoles el cariño que te están pidiendo. Sí, no, tienes mucha razón. Y, y, y fíjate que algo también muy importante de ese tema, hablando del machismo, ¿no? Es que nos han mentido. Nos han mentido porque a final de cuentas lo que queremos también nosotros es que nos amen, que mm. nos quieran, que nos escuchen, yeah. que nos den ese amor y cariño que también nosotros merecemos. El problema está en que ese coraje que tenemos es porque nos han dicho a ti lo que te da valor es cuánto dinero tienes en tu cartera. Es que tan fuerte eres. Y no digo mental, sino que, ta, que tanto te puedes pelear, ¿no? Ese, ese es el machismo que nos ha dicho. Y ahora estamos en, un, en, una, en una época donde es, el dinero ya no importa. O sea, como dices tú, ¿no? A los hombres nos dijeron, tenemos que, que tener un buen trabajo para que nos quieran, ¿ok? Y ahora dicen, pues, pues las mujeres sí tienen trabajo. Y hay unas que hasta les pagan más que a nosotros. Y decimos, fuck, pues no tenemos nada. Ahora ya no tengo nada. Me dijeron que esto es lo que tenía que hacer. Y ahora pues ya no, no tengo nada más que dar. Uh -huh. Y te digo, y muchas veces también es lo que siento que es importante entender, es que es fácil decir, ah, es que pues es para los hombres la están regando. Y sí, la verdad es que sí la estamos regando en ese aspecto. Pero muchos tienen que entender que es porque no, esto fue lo que nos dijeron que era lo que teníamos que hacer. Mm. Digo, y... y ese mismo coraje es muy importante porque ese coraje es lo que ayuda a, a, a creer ese cambio. El problema no es el coraje, el problema es cómo lo expresamos. Mm. You know, because yeah. that anger is what's going to drive us to create that change, to understand that, you know what, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. My wallet isn't my worth. You know, I can bring more to this. And like I said, podemos hacer más con menos. Uh -huh. yeah. y, y, y es difícil entender al principio. Y te digo, y fue donde yo también, donde todo esto empezó, porque fue cuando dije, no, es que sabes que yo siento que, que a mí me están atacando mucho, que a los hombres me están atacando. Y más importante, yo no quiero crear una comunidad de nada más de hombres enojados, machistas, que, que quieren quedarse también en lo mismo. Mm. Sino la idea es también, you know, que todos hemos contribuido a, al machismo, ¿no? Uh -huh. De entender que digo, yo no, yo no sabía cómo, cómo cocinar, yo no, nunca sabía cómo lavar mi plato, eh, el hecho de lavar mi ropa yo nunca lo hacía, porque a mí las mujeres en mi vida lo hacían. Uh -huh. Y para mí eso era algo normal, que ahora lo veo con mi hijo, digo, si no hago de comer, nadie come. Uh -huh. Y es algo que para él también es algo tan normal, que para mí es algo que tuve que aprender. Uh -huh. Y no es fácil. Pero ahora también lo entiendo que digo, wow, tengo, tengo tanta libertad. Y, y algo que mencionaste también que es muy importante es el privilegio que ahora tenemos nosotros. Uh -huh. Que a lo mejor nuestros padres no los tuvieron. Que esto es algo muy importante también de poder perdonarnos. Porque it's really easy to say like, fuck, darling, you're so ungrateful. Look at what your parents... And that's what a lot of us were shamed. Because it's like we were given... We were, a lot of us were not given what we needed. Right. We got what they thought we wanted. What is, they didn't have. Is, what, and, what, and what they didn't have, which is mm -hmm. so valid. However, it makes it such a, a difficult cycle to break because when I started looking at my parents subjectively and realizing, like, I'm not going to blame them, but at the same time, they messed up, that voice, that shadow was always telling me, like, you are so ungrateful. Mm -hmm. You're such a piece of shit, Carlos. Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you be ungrateful? You had a brand new pool that they put in the house years later, right? Or, like, you did get to go on field trips. Like, you were so ungrateful. And it was like, well, why should I feel bad? Because I just wanted to spend time with my dad. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't want him to buy me these things, you know? Right. Um, and I want to validate that because that's such a big part of this is, like, you can still be grateful for what your parents did for you and understand that they could not have given us what we needed. Right. Yeah. And this is where the, the languages of love come in. Right. I know that there's a book that lists five of them. There's definitely more. Right. But um, <laughs> yeah. they didn't learn us. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it's funny because the first therapy session I went to, oh, not first therapy, but like when I, when I started with the journey too, that was one of the things I was mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was like, uh, And it, it's very interesting too how she brought it up to me because I realized that it was in a way that was not intimidating because I also didn't know how to understand it. And so, me acuerdo que me preguntó, like, ¿qué es lo que te gusta? 
que te digan cosas bonitas, que te uh -huh. dediquen tiempo, que te compren regalos, este, que hagan cosas por ti, o, o te gusta ser tocado, y no te gusta que te den abrazos, o que te acaricien, y me acuerdo que, like, estaba pensando en cuál decirle, pero, like, in my head, I was like, fuck, pues todos, like, ocupo todo ahorita, like, no me han dado nada, you know, <laughs> you know, but, but it is, like, it's such a big part of, having to understand that, like, el mundo, mi familia, todos me están pidiendo que los amara, pero yo no sabía cómo, like, yo no sabía cómo se sentía ser amado. Uh -huh. Quería yo aprender a escuchar, pero a mí nunca me habían escuchado. Yeah. Querían que, que tuviera una, una mente abierta y un corazón abierto a todas las conversaciones que tuviera con personas diferentes a, a la manera en que yo pensaba. Pero yo, no, yo ni tenía mi corazón abierto para mí mismo. Uh -huh. y, y cómo eso hasta más coraje me da, ¿verdad? Porque... Muchos me decían, Carlos, es que como padre, ¿cómo le vas a gritar a tu, a tu hijo? Y más coraje me daba. Porque sin pensarlo, yo decía, like, tantos preocupados por el niño, ¿y yo qué? ¿Yo qué? O sea, yo, yo, yo ya, ya pasé por mi etapa porque ahora soy padre, pero en realidad yo siento que nunca tuve una etapa donde a mí me, 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 me veían y me daban cariño y me daban amor. Y pues desafortunadamente ese dolor, pues yo lo sacaba con el que quisiera. Sí. Era tu niño interior pidiéndolo, sí, ¿no? Y, y, y digo, yeah. fue cuando me empecé a dar cuenta que digo, no, es que todos tienen las respuestas a, a cómo ayudar a la pareja, cómo, cómo ser mejor padre, cómo ser mejor esto. Pero es algo en lo que nos enfocamos nosotros cuando tenemos estas pláticas. Es que esas respuestas tú solitas las vas a, las vas a encontrar. Yo no te mm. conozco. O sea, tú, tú mismo, el, el chiste es nada más empezar las pláticas de cómo hemos ido, cómo, cómo nos han creado para podernos conocer más y entender por qué hacemos las cosas que hacemos. Porque yo me decía, ya no faltes el respeto, ya no andes engañando, ya no andes engañando. Y ese era mi enfoque, darling. Stop cheating, stop cheating, stop cheating. Mm. That was it. Pero yo nunca en entendí, es que lo que tú quieres es una conexión, es que te aprecien, es que te den cariño. Pero yo no tampoco sabía comunicarlo. Entonces, para mí, cuando empecé a aprender eso, that's when things started to shift. Because then I started realizing, oh, you're not, it's not that, you know cheating's bad. You don't care about cheating. You care about connection. Mm. You care about being in a healthy relationship. And also, like, why aren't you walking away? Why aren't you leaving? Like, literally questioning everything that I was doing in my own life. Like, that, really, that point of, like, reason, reaching the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. Where it's like, all my basic needs were now met. Self-discovery, baby. Like, bring it on. Let's get to know ourselves. What advice would you give a man who's considering therapy, but not entirely convinced because he would feel like you said, weak or feels like it wouldn't work anyway? I would, I would first say that you're not alone, that you're not alone. Being on the edge of the cliff is very difficult. Um, mm -hmm. and it's easy to want to retract being vulnerable is so hard. Um, and especially when it feels like the world is not allowing us to, and there's no safe spaces to do it. Um, yeah. I would say You know, first and foremost, I think what matters most is is no longer the men that we've been, but who we want to be. Who is it that you really want to be? Because without that, you can go to therapy all day, every day. It's still, it's nothing, right? Um, and again, I always like to use, I always like to use gym references because I feel like that's, that's the masculine thing that we always like kind of like generic, uh, seem to at least understand whether we agree with it or not, but we understand it because it's what's thrown in our faces. And You know, it's the same concept of like, if you don't really want to go in there to get in better shape and to put yourself in a better situation, then like, you know, darling is not, you know, like you're, she's not going to give you your answers. She's not going to live your life for you. It's, it's really sitting down with yourself, being honest with the things that you've done, understand that you can hold yourself accountable without feeling like you should be belittled for it. Um, and really deciding what kind of man you want to be. What kind of individual you want to be, right? Because even that is wrong too. And I learned that, that like, just like there's a box for the bad type of man, trying to create a box for the good type of man is stripping every single one of us from just being ourselves. Because what if I don't want to be that kind of nice type? What if my nice looks different from your nice? And they're both yeah. still nice, you know? So I, I would say really trying to, trying to figure out who is the kind of man that you're trying to be. Understand that this isn't linear. 
Um, as I've shared, I'm still making mistakes. So this isn't like go in there two weeks, boom, it's fixed. Mm. No, this for me is, is really a lifestyle now. Um, and it's just getting tools. It's getting tools mm. for those demons, for those shadows that it is okay to, to, to be angry. It is okay to be frustrated. It is okay to make mistakes and move forward. But um, you're not alone. Trust me, you're not, you're not alone. There's so many of us out there. And so I, I hope you keep that in the back of your mind, acknowledging that, hey, I know that this is tough, especially as raza, especially as men. Um, but you're not alone, and you're on the right track. And, and if anything, I give you props for even considering it. You say therapy is a lifestyle for you now. How often do you attend therapy or how long have you been going now? Oh man, consistently. Well, I, I had taken a break maybe about a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. and then I just started back again. I've probably been doing it now for the last six months again, but I would mm -hmm. say for about 80% of the last three years. Um, mm -hmm. and I go, uh, every other week. Yeah. And so depending on where I'm at, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll adjust. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, you know what? We're chilling. We're good. Let me try to tackle some of the stuff with what, with the tools we have. Let's do monthly. Or sometimes I'm like, I, I need to see you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really important to, to take into consideration. Que no siempre necesitas estar yendo semanalmente, depending on how you're feeling. And obviously life gets really busy. So you can do biweekly. You can do yeah. once a month. Um, you can take breaks and then come back when you need it again. So it's really, I, I appreciate that you mentioned that. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there's also times that I don't want to go. You know, I still have those moments where I'm like, fuck, no quiero ir. Um, and again, I think about the gym where I'm like, I know people go work out and there are days where they don't want to, but they do because it's, it's part of what puts them in a better place. And like, this is for me is like, okay. And if anything, those are the days where I'm like, you should probably go today. Mm. You know, and I'll, that's the first thing I sometimes I'll tell my therapist, like, dude, I don't really want to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it today. And sometimes that alone opens the conversations, but it's yeah. not always about answers. Sometimes it's just being able to express what we feel. Mm -hmm. and have it have it be validated that's so powerful yeah what's like the biggest the biggest growth that you yourself have gone through because of therapy um i i would say holding space mm. um it's given me a lot of compassion and empathy for others um and it's because i think i've finally have a space where i'm heard mm. where uh, i i you know <laughs> i remember one time talking to my therapist about something and then like two months later, um, she asked uh, about this particular incident and was like, hey, you know, um, are you still friends with, you know, with Darlene? And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I remember Darlene. Like you told me that you had did a podcast episode with her. Are you still friends there? And like, dude, I tripped out because I was like, what the fuck? Like she listened. <laughs> like she even remember her name. Yeah. And how sad. You know how sad that it like, and I went as far because I didn't know how to handle my emotions. I went as far as, uh, like getting mad. Like I was crying and I was mad and I was like, what kind of fucking loser am I that I literally have to be here to pay, like essentially pay someone to listen to me, mm. you know, like that, that's how new that feeling was that i like, I didn't know what that felt like. And I knew that I had to practice it, but it was so overwhelming. And so but through that i would say the biggest takeaway now is like it's given me so much compassion and empathy for others mm. um i don't always agree with everyone but i i can set boundaries now because nobody ever taught me that either it's like I either like you or i don't and either you're right or i'm right yeah right and um and i see it now especially with my relationships with my friends more importantly with my relationship with my son you know where he Cosas por las que está pasando él que a veces digo, like, ay, Julián. Pero, you know what? It's a moment to connect. Mm -hmm. It's a moment to have space to understand that listening isn't giving everybody what they want. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's what I thought it was growing up. Mm -hmm. And now just to be able to validate my kid for that when he's like, papi, this is hard. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, I can see why that, yeah, that seems like it's really tough. And then we still do it. Mm -hmm. you know but 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 i didn't discredit what he was feeling which is what i got a lot of times and how mm. that's helped me help other men and really plant seeds and to see the guys that i now associate with 
and to see them do it with other men to me is just like i learned so much from them too that i'm like whoa my trauma gets brought up having healthy relationships with other men all the time yeah you know like i walk into a room with the guy and i'm like all right this is cool but like what's up you know and then we're both kind of like what's up bro oh yeah how you doing man i'm like okay oh that was on me my bad my bad (laughs) like that that was me just being defensive like i for some Mm -hmm. reason i thought you wanted to square up or something but we're good we're chilling yeah um you're leading me into these questions perfectly what kinds of success stories now that you're talking about these other guys that you come into contact with what kind of success stories and experiences have you witnessed now having the modern macho and seeing other latino men around you changing or receiving this mental health help because Mm -hmm. it's difficult for men right specifically latino men but men in general not only to talk to their buddies about the deep shit that's going on in their lives, but even looking for mental health services. Yeah. So like, tell us about some of those success <laughs> stories that you've seen after having started the modern macho. Yeah. I mean, there's always one that I remember of very specifically it happened very early on in, in, in this whole journey that I thought was very powerful. Um, so and we're going to bring these back. One of the things that we did in the very beginning of the platform is we used to have social hours and we were like, what does that mean? Right? Like, what is all that? What does all that mean? So we had social hours. So uh, we do these monthly and we'd have conversations with men. And, and there was specifically one individual who um, I'm really good friends with that. I'm so proud of him to see his growth into where he's at now. But I remember specifically the conversation was about spanking mm. and even more so we were sharing a little bit about how our children acted with us y cómo se portaban con nuestras parejas. Y me acuerdo que una de las cosas que él dijo fue que, oh, lo que me desespera de mi esposa es que cuando, cuando mis hijas están conmigo, saben cómo portarse. Pero cuando están con ella, hacen lo que quieren. Mm. Y ellas saben, porque saben que cuando yo estoy, uh-uh, eso no lo hacemos. And I was like, Oh, okay, right. It took us having these conversations, picking each other's brains, bringing some of the tools that we had learned in therapy to our conversations, right? Mm-hmm. And y muy bien me acuerdo que a las pocas semanas una vez nos dijo que estaba triste. ¿Qué pasó? Si es que me estoy dando cuenta que al momento que mis hijas están pasando ahorita por algo, Yo me paso mucho tiempo con ellas. Las llevo aquí, las llevo para allá. Hago mucho. Son mis niñas, ¿no? Y, y, y muchas veces también como padres, la manera en que creamos a nuestras mujeres es muy diferente mm. a los hombres, ¿verdad? Entonces, él nos dijo, no, que son mis princesas, que mis reinas, que no sé qué. Pero me estoy dando cuenta que cuando ellas, cuando les pregunto, ¿cómo estás? ¿Qué tal tu día? Cosas así. Siempre van con su mamá. Mm. Y me acuerdo haberle dicho, Ay, ¿y cómo te hace sentir eso? Mm-hmm. Y dice, pues es que pues sí me agüita, porque pues me encantaría poder tener esa relación. Pues dentro de todas las pláticas que hemos tenido, él pudo darse cuenta que el error que él estaba metiendo, y no es porque lo estaba haciendo al drede, pero porque no sabía, uh-huh. es que en vez de darle poder a sus hijos, pues se los estaba quitando. Uh-huh. Entonces había temor. Y es por eso que se portaba bien con él. No porque había respeto. Y muchas veces a, en la manera que nos han creado, nos han dicho que eso es respeto. Es miedo. Mm-hmm. Tener disciplina y, y, y lo que es el miedo son dos cosas muy diferentes. Mm-hmm. Disciplina es yo sé que me tengo que levantar en la mañana y llegar a las 7 a trabajar porque si no me van a correr. Eso es mm-hmm. disciplina. No porque si llego a las 7 días me van a meter una cachetada. <risa> eso right. es miedo. Okay. And, and granted, it brings... It brings blind obedience right because now i know well shit, i don't want to be there seven ten because someone's gonna smack me across the face but there's no respect but there's no respect and more importantly when you talk about the lessons that we want to give to our children other than getting what we need them to do we're not really teaching them anything Mm. and i've been guilty of it you know on both ends right like as a father and as a son no la vayas a regar porque me ponen una chinga Si las calificaciones no estaban bien, me ponían una chinga. Uh-huh. Si llegaba tarde, me ponían una chinga. Pero el entender al que, ok, es que es importante que tú te sientas a leer un libro que quieras aprender. Yo no quería aprender. Yo las calificaciones las tuve bien porque yo no quería que me regañaran. Yeah. Entonces, yo siempre me acuerdo muy bien de eso, de esas 
y, y el tiempo, ¿verdad? Porque todos quieren las soluciones así. Uh -huh. Y el entender que todo esto va a tomar tiempo. Uh -huh. Pero mira, poco a poco dentro de la comunidad, él buscando terapia y, y teniendo el apoyo, nada, no nada más de nosotros, pero de su familia, de todos los que estábamos alrededor, él solito pudo, pudo darse cuenta de, no, ¿sabes qué? Es que mi intención siempre fue buena. Pero ahora en realidad te puedo tener una conexión real con mis hijas. Uh -huh. Y eso para, para mí me prendió y dije, no, ¿sabes qué? Hay, hay que seguir con esto. Yeah. Porque sigo aprendiendo yo, la sigo regando yo. Uh -huh. Pero dentro de eso nos vamos ayudando entre nosotros. Uh -huh. So what was, what was the end result then with this man? So the end result now ends up being... Um, He now shares a story with us a couple of weeks later where they ended up going to the store and his daughter wanted a candy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, she really wanted this candy. And we're like, so what'd you do? And we had talked about validating, right? And so basically the end result ends up, ends up being now him. She got upset about it, to which he listened to her. He validated her frustration because she wanted the candy. Mind you, they still didn't get it. Mm. They still didn't get it. But he validated and he provided that he held space for them to mm. know that he was there. And now we move forward a year, two, and I see now the relationship that he's able to have with his kids and to see that, like, it's a genuine connection yeah. where they mutually respect each other. Where now as fathers, we can say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Without feeling like, no, you're the dad. You should never apologize to your kids. You should never go down to their level and instead go, that is powerful. We are mm -hmm. modeling to them what it's like to make those mistakes. Yeah. And, and it sounds know. like it's, oh, sorry, continue to no, know. No, just to know that we can be held accountable again and, and like move forward. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I, I'm very conscious of that with my son, like mm -hmm. always kind of trying to remind him. Dentro de todo lo que tengo que a veces, la, yo sé que la estoy cagando en ciertos aspectos, pero dentro de eso tengo que darme mis flores en saber que yo sé que siempre recordarle, hey, sabes que, a lo mejor pudiste ver hecho mejor o no me gustó que me levantaste la voz. Mm. Pero dentro de eso, yo sé que vas, que, que vas a hacer tu mejor esfuerzo. No tienes por qué sentirte como que ahora tienes que hacer más para que yo te ame. Mm -hmm. Eso no tiene nada que ver. Yeah. Yeah. Y parece que dentro de todo esto también no solamente creas esa relación con tus hijos, pero tampoco no hay ese sentimiento o ese, ese pensamiento de que soy menos hombre porque estoy no. haciendo estas cosas. Al contrario, más. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is wonderful. Um, well, I don't want to take any more of your time. And I know we have so many more questions that we need to cover. But also, that means there's going to be a part two, everybody. So get excited for the next part. We still have to learn about the modern macho and If you all are curious about it, definitely go check it out. That is Carlos's Instagram name, The Modern Macho. Um, the website also modernmacho.com. And um, yeah, if y'all are curious about watching or listening to any of the stuff, I encourage you to do it. It's very, very helpful for both men and women. I found that I started learning a whole bunch of stuff um, from the male perspective. O sea, tú mencionaste algo hace rato when you were talking about... Um, que cuando tienes hijos a una temprana edad, I always saw everything from the female perspective, que también, uff, ya la regó, ya arruinó su vida. I have never heard it from like the male perspective, porque mm. es como que hab había menos responsabilidad de esa parte masculina, because, you know, you guys just yeah. shoot yeah. your stuff inside, and then it's no, like, well, we're sure. the ones that carry it and ruin our body. And you I can just walk away. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it, I, you know, that's one more thing that I'm like, oh, I guess que también te dan tu jalón de orejas or like your disappointment or ya yeah, la regaste kind of thing. Exactly. Um, no, yo me acuerdo muy bien que te digo, él siempre decía like, no, es que son pendejos. And I remember mm -hmm. when I found out, I was like, ahora yo soy uno de esos pendejos. Like, Damn. You know what I mean? Like now it's me. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just, it's so interesting. I mean, I appreciate you having me. If I could talk about this forever, like mm -hmm. it's, it's insane. Like the amount of layers, but the first and foremost, it's like, Hey, let's, let's just acknowledge that we want to change some things up. We want to be in a better right. place. And yeah, that's, that's cool, man. That's, we, we, we start there. That's where we start, you know? Mm -hmm.
Yeah. And um, yes, so we loved each other's vibe. We went to the same high school. We grew up in the Inland Empire in California. We're definitely going to have to do this again, Carlos. And I want to thank you again for coming on. Next time, we will be talking about machismo. So um, yeah, we're going to get to the root of that and at least Carlos's experience with that. What did y'all think? ¿Qué les pareció? I hope that you all really enjoyed this episode. Espero que hayan disfrutado de este episodio. Um, like I said at the end, um, como dije al final, we left off with a lot of questions unanswered. Nos ter terminamos pues el episodio con muchas preguntas sin, sin respuesta. Um, I sent Carlos a whole list of things and we decided to divvy it up into maybe one or two more episodes. Le mandé a Carlos una lista de bien muchas preguntas y pues decidimos dividirla en tal vez una o dos episodios más dependiendo de qué es lo que pasa con el próximo episodio, depending on what happens on the next episode. But um, yeah, los, les animo a que vayan a ver el sitio de Carlos que vayan a ver themodernmacho.com I encourage y'all to go check out Carlos's website themodernmacho.com que vean su Instagram that y'all go check out his IG which is also themodernmacho que también es themodernmacho y también escuchen su podcast él también tiene un podcast and that y'all also listen to his podcast The Modern Macho Um, so definitely, um, go check his stuff out. Definitivamente vayan a, a ver sus cosas. Y muchas gracias por escuchar y llegar hasta este punto. Thank you so much for listening and getting to this point in the video or the podcast. Um, don't forget to like the video or the podcast and subscribe to my channel. No se les olvide darle like al podcast o al video y que se suscriban a mi canal. I am sending you all lots of love and light and many blessings. Les mando mucho amor, mucha luz y muchísimas bendiciones. See you all on the next episode of Doses of Darling. Los veo en el próximo episodio de Dosis de Darling.